This episode of the Unbuild It podcast is brought to you by Huber Engineered Woods. When we uh, when we talk about Huber Engineered Woods, you know we say they make Advantech, we say they make uh, Zip System, and, you know they have uh, liquid flash and subfloor glue and tape. And I think that most of our listeners are fairly familiar with their product lines. They make really high quality stuff that makes our job easier. But I also wanted to let you know that they have a couple of new products on the market that they just announced at IBSX uh, for 2021. They have Advantech X Factor uh, and they have a new uh, vapor permeable tape. Uh, and I think that those things are very important because uh, they go to show what Huber Engineer Woods is really about. They're innovating and they're problem solving before even builders like myself have asked for those things. That process of innovation has kept them at the top of the game, at the top of the pile, and that process of innovation has caused uh, builders like myself who are focused on durability and energy efficiency and really doing things the right way the first time to believe in them as a company and to use their products. Uh, we've been using uh, their original Advantech formula since uh, the late 90s as a company and we've been using this Zip System since uh, 2013. So think that that proves to you my belief in the company i hope that you'll look into huber engineered woods uh, and thanks for sponsoring the podcast let's talk construction management software and what makes a software good first i'd say the ability to tackle the task that i needed to do but more importantly the ability for my team to comprehend the software my clients to comprehend the software and everybody involved to actually want to use that software or that interface BuildBook could be that software for you. BuildBook is simple to learn and use. It allows for constant communication between you, your team members, and your clients. It doesn't waste time with unneeded features, and you won't have to send your team across country to learn how to operate it efficiently. At the end of the day, BuildBook should reduce your stress and your team's stress as well. BuildBook is an all-in-one construction software for today's builders. Whether you're a one-person operation or a large building crew, BuildBook has plans to fit your budget. They don't have any of those nagging sales calls or tricky upsells or hidden fees. You can sign up for a 10-day free trial with BuildBook so that they can teach you and show you what, what the value is of their product. You should head over to buildbook.co to get started. Don't forget to mention that you heard it from us, the Unbuilded Podcast. That's buildbook.co. Thank you, Buildbook, for your sponsorship. Welcome to the Unbuilded Podcast. I'm Jay Bruton. Today, I am joined by co-host Steve Basic. Hello, people. And special guest, Travis How do you say your last name, Travis? I've always said it, Brungart, but I think you'll, you'll get it one of these days. <laughs> That's a joke. We know how to say it, allegedly. Uh, so Travis is joining us today, and uh, he's joining us for multiple reasons, but we thought that we would just start the conversation with, welcome to the podcast. We like you as a builder. Let's talk about building first. 
So would you like to give us the uh, elevator speech rundown of who you are? I'm not really an elevator speech guy, but I will tell you who I am. Uh, my name is Travis Brungard. I'm a <laughs> I knew I could count on Steve to keep it professional. Such a pleasure joining you guys. Uh, no, uh, my partner Joe Cook and I run Catalyst Construction in Prairie Village, Kansas, which is just outside of Kansas City. We do mostly remodeling uh, in custom homes. And we are licensed in all the trades and software. Are you performing. a real Chiefs fan or a fake Chiefs fan? The difference is, did you become one after Mahomes or were you originally a Chiefs fan? Fun fact, I couldn't care less about football. You got to have Joe on for the football discussion. I, uh, I'm an NBA fan and I'm in the wrong city for that. The Kings left in the 70s. So, or the late, no, early 80s. Anyway, we do, do mostly. No, <laughs> that's an old joke for my friend Jake. Thanks, buddy. You're an adequate friend too. <laughs> I and joke. so, uh, well, I tend to describe Travis as an adequate friend and he takes that the wrong way. I think, I think he doesn't know what the word adequate really means. <laughs> Could you spell it for me? Cause I'll, I'll send Steve a text later and get him to explain it to me. Just like building details. So I think of you guys as the people that I know in Kansas city that are doing the best job that I know of when it comes to construction, you and Joe seem, well, okay, let's back up. Your Instagram account is Catalyst Built at Catalyst Built. You know okay. that Amberson is very important. Yeah. Mine's Steve Basic Architect. It's actually Stephen Basic Architect, <laughs> but that's okay if he doesn't know it. I think it's Building Right Peter, it's, it's isn't it? Called, yeah, it's actually Building Right Peter. He is real. Um, building Right with a W. It's very he's, important. He is real. <laughs> this is the kind of podcast you get when we're all in the same room. By the way, we didn't we didn't note that Travis was visiting Columbia today because Steve was in town. And we have a bunch of stuff that we all needed to talk about. I actually uh, came to see Lexi. I didn't know Steve was going to be here. Okay. I would have made other plans. I can see that. Uh, so I have, I found you guys through Instagram and I met you guys, I think the first time in person at the summit. Was it the Fine Home Building Summit? Or was we it actually met, that? we met at a Keep Craft Alive event oh, in Columbia. Yep. Uh, and that's when I met Matt also. So there's a lot of build tie in there. Um, but you were kind enough to invite us out to one of your builds, and I got to see some of the details in person. Joe and I were really excited about basically stepping up our high, our high-performance building game based on the details that you guys are using and just trying to raise the, the quality of building in our market. Um, I appreciate what you said about us being the guys that you think of as being the high-performance builder in that area. We're trying to be the top of the heap. I don't know that we are, but we're really trying. Well, I, I would say from a attention to detail and the way that you guys talk about building and the conversations that you and I have about building science and problem solving job site stuff, I have very high, high regard for you and Joe. I appreciate that. Uh, Feeling is mutual. I may regret saying that at some point, but... <laughs> How about now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, instant regret. <laughs> it was imminent. <laughs> so... One of the really cool things about uh, Catalyst is that you guys also put a lot of your time towards other endeavors to uh, help the industry. Uh, you're wearing a Keep Craft Alive hat. You talked about we, we did meet at that event, I remember now. And uh, I think that of all the people I know that do things to forward what the industry is, is getting, your focus is uh, very, uh, how am I trying to say this? You're very focused on reaching people for the right reasons. Thank you. Does that make sense? Yeah, I totally, I take that as high praise, but I also think that you're 
you're accurate. We spend a lot more time talking about what we can do to help out building just better in the Midwest at large, much more than just building on our projects. So it started out with BS and beer. Uh, we started a, a local chapter, if you want to call it that. It's not that organized. It's all grassroots. But uh, Joe Cook and then Joe Nichols, who you know through Arrow Barrier and Thrive Building Solutions, we, the three of us, started a, a BS and beer discussion group in Kansas City. We reached out to some people that we hadn't met who were kind enough to come and speak at such events. And that really helped bring in a lot of our, what people in most markets think of as competitors, what we call colleagues. You know, we're all trying to do a better job. And by sharing information the way you and Steve and occasionally Peter, honestly, you know, not ever really Peter on Instagram, but live at the building uh, crossroads events and the other things that he does, sharing information is, is making everything better for everyone. And it makes our jobs easier because we can focus on improving performance rather than fixing problems. Uh, so I think that the stuff that we've done with BS and beer has then become stuff that we do with Keep Craft Alive. And now we're even working with our local school district to write curriculum for a high school program to get people interested in building science and to introduce, basically reintroduce trades as a great opportunity. But one of the things I think you're, you're getting there, and I don't want to jump. How about, what were you going to say next, Jake? <laughs> well, actually, I think now I want to hear more about the curriculum thing because I didn't okay. know about this. And I'd like to see how this started and where you guys are headed. Infancy stages. <laughs> I, I can't believe somebody woke you up. We haven't gotten to your part yet. Uh, no, actually, it's funny that Steve would pipe up now because he was one of my first calls. I started trying to reach people at the school district where Joe and, Joe and I went to high school together. Uh, my business partner, Joe, and I uh, have known each other for a very long time. He was an altar boy at the church that I went to when I was a little kid, which I know is near and dear to your heart, Jake. Well, I got a good joke. Oh, I bet you do. <laughs> it's a family show, Steve. Anyway, we weren't really friends until high school and really after that. But we did go to the same school, and we still live in the area where our school district is that we went to school at. And so we reached out to some of the teachers there that we still know and are close with. And they put us in touch with the the VOTEC program director and some of the higher ups, at the school district, and then COVID hit and it all fell apart. It was like, well, we can't get in touch with anyone. We can't get together. We can't have these meetings and discuss how we can help. So our efforts to keep craft alive were kind of stymied and limited to what we could do with other builders. And that's not really where we need to help. We need to help earlier than that. So it kind of just started restarting three weeks ago. I had a great meeting with, uh, basically all of the important people in the vocational technical division at the Shawnee Mission School District via Zoom. And then I got super excited. I made a ton of notes and I called Steve and Lexi, who were both in the car the next day. I was like, here's what I'm thinking. And Lexi gave us a bunch of ideas because she's recently out of higher education at that level and said, you know, this was what was lacking in the program that I went through and would really have made a difference. Just even like, basically she was talking about things like, you know, terms, knowing how this, what is this and how does it relate to that? It's like, yeah, that's something hell Even a dumb builder like me can teach that. So I had that conversation with uh, Laura at Shawnee Mission School District, and she's kind of giving us the opportunity to be part of 
helping to resolve that with a new curriculum. And I asked Steve for his help. I talked to Connor Malloy, who's a teacher in Toronto. He's going to help with it. Emily Montram, who's obviously a teacher in her own right. I'm very fortunate to have been exposed to a lot of great building science minds who all want to help the way we want to help. So we're hoping we can sort of uh, aggregate that information and deliver it to younger people in the high school level and really make a difference early and maybe even down to the elementary level where we can start introducing physics concepts in elementary schools and the interplay of materials. I'm really excited about it. And it's not, it's not the focus of our for-profit business, but it seems to take up an awful lot of our for-profit time. So uh, between the BS and beer stuff, the curriculum side, and then uh, the events that we're holding locally, there's just an awful lot going on in addition to building five houses this year and a bunch of remodels and so on. I think that's pretty amazing. I wish that there was a, uh, I wish I had more help in our community to work towards that. We you have, have to be the help. We had the same conversation and uh, reached out, I think, four different times to the vocational school. And I am married to a teacher in the district and we couldn't get any response out of them. That's really frustrating. They have, they have their curriculum and they're done. Uh, and even in the past, from a Keep Craft Alive standpoint, I've phoned both the person that's in charge of the program there and the person that's in charge of a Columbia Builds Youth Group. And they've both been like, ah, you don't want these kids as employees. And it's like, boy, it seems to me like you might be failing the system. For sure. If you're not helping these kids learn something so that they can move on and at least get a foot in the door as a, you know, apprentice carpenter at the beginning of it. So it's a, that's a challenging thing. And I think that you guys should be very, you guys are very lucky that you have a school district that's also interested in that challenging thing. Yeah, we're excited about it. It does feel like running uphill in quicksand, but um, I feel like there's opportunity there. And if there are people willing to listen, uh, we'll keep having the conversation until we get somewhere. Frankly, because uh, with the way things are going in construction, the market's crazy and everybody needs people. We're going to need people. I would love to handpick someone from a good program. I know you had the opportunity to do that with Taylorville. And I would love to have the same level of experience where we've got Basically, people starting ahead of where most of the rest of the options are at. For sure. So you're alluding to we have a new employer, fairly new employee, Sydney, and she came from uh, is it Build, Learn, Teach? Yep. Matt Bloomquist on Instagram uh, runs that trade program. That's just a class that's attached to the high school. It's not even a trade school class or anything like that. And I now have an 18 year old carpenter that the other day said. Well, I'm not sure that I understand the difference between face sealed and water managed and why it's okay here to face seal, but water managed here instead of face sealing. And I'm not sure if I see the difference. Can you explain that? And I thought I've had 50 year old men that have 30 years experience in the trades that wouldn't have even caught that the two windows were flashed. Yep. And I was like, I have somebody who's been taught that there's a difference in the items that we're talking about here. Yeah. And that, that speaks to Lexi's comment about nomenclature, like just understanding what the terms are is a, a giant threshold to cross and then understanding the concepts and the interplay of the different materials and why one system works here and not there. You're right. Guys that have been at this longer than I have don't understand to even ask that question. So if we can start that conversation in elementary, middle, high school, college, before it hits the job site, 
you're going to get a better, a better built product. We're waiting to see if Steve's going to say anything. No. He okay. lost interest when I started talking. I'm used to that. It's fine, Steve. I don't I even take it personally. I have visions of a five-year-old talking about capillary action and needing to put his rain boots on. <laughs> My son's 10 now. He was nine when you first started talking to him through, uh, through your Build Show videos. And Steve did a cool thing. Uh, you can edit this out if it's not appropriate. But Steve did a cool thing for my son, Gray, who watches Build the Show stuff with me on Saturday mornings. Uh, last time I was here in Columbia, Steve was kind enough. He brought uh, my son, Gray, his own big red marker, and he autographed it for him. And he brought him a Build Show hat. And now my son thinks he's the next uh, Frank Gehry or uh, Mies van der Rohe. He's not there yet. He's got a little ways to go. But he's definitely got a big red start. We all got something. It might not be that far off of Frank Gehry. (laughs) (laughs) Is that an architecture disc? (laughs) That was an architecture disc. That's exactly what that was. I'm not a a huge fan of the uh, crinkled paper model maker. Did I mention he's 10? (laughs) (laughs) That's that's why I understood that he's close. Okay. Okay, so one of the big things we, we kind of buried the lead and the the number one reason that we brought you in today is because we want to help promote I actually uh, have something to say you know. okay you go right ahead Steve we'll pause so this is my take on it do you know where the end of this sentence is going or are you making I do. it up as you go I do okay. I'm kind of making it up as I go but but this is true of the 8 year old the 20 year old and the 40 year old builder child all of that When it comes to understanding something, it's not about having the answers. It's about knowing what questions to ask, right? So when you're developing a curriculum, you you shouldn't be thinking about what kind of answers am I providing? You should be providing an inquisitive atmosphere that keeps them struggling to find the next answer. Because even the smartest guy I know in building science, and it's not Jake. <laughs> goes without saying. Right? Yeah, that goes without saying. <laughs> I'm pretty saying. sure you didn't negate anybody's thought before yeah. you said that. But. So we didn't rule anything out. But but even the smartest person I know in building science, they're the first ones to sit there and say, the minute I learn something, all I've really learned is how little I knew about that topic. And so developing a curriculum, teaching an elementary school kid, tell, teaching a kid at a tech level, but even teaching a builder that is wanting to start his own company. And I just, I, I have maybe a conversation a month, somebody on Instagram, they text me and say, Hey, do you mind if we just set up like a half hour phone call? I have a bunch of questions I want to ask you. I'm thinking about starting my own company or I'm thinking about this or thinking about that. And so sure, we, we set up a time and chat, but it always boils down to and, and this is true as, you know, it, it's developed for me personally. It's not about having the knowledge. It's having the knowledge to know what questions to ask. Not finding the answer is easy, right? I can find somebody that knows the answer, but I need to know what the question is before I can search for the answer because I need to target the answer via the, the question. Right. So if I know a question it is, then obviously I know who to ask. And, and in my own personal network, that's very true. Like, you know, one. Peter. Yeah, well, it's, it's pretty easy. I just asked Peter, <laughs> but Peter will boil it down to 
like, well, oh, well, I know Mark from APA, or I know this guy from Wood Tech, or I know this guy from University of Massachusetts, and he did a bunch of studies on that. But but it's not about that. And so as as we all develop in the industry, don't concentrate on getting the answer, because you know what? You're not going to get the answers. All you're going to realize is that the minute I answer question one, there's questions two through 10 behind it that I've never thought to ask because I never answered question one. Right. Yeah. Right. So in, in, in all of us is we need to stop developing this sense of like, oh, okay, like I know enough. No, for, for the builders, architects and stuff that, oh, I, I know how to do this. No, you don't. You don't. You think you do. You think you have the answer. But you still don't know the right questions to ask if you think you have the answer. Then you haven't asked the right question yet. I think it's also a really tough thing that when we have this conversation exactly that way, I feel like now, at this point in my career, I learn stuff 10 times faster because of the frame of reference that I already have, because of the prior knowledge that I bring to the table. So when I hear someone explain something where we're talking about uh, an insulation detail or an air sealing detail... I never before now have understood things so clearly. And that to me is a scary thing to think about being Cindy's age, the new carpenter with my company and having her knowledge base and trying to understand these concepts though. It is. It's, it's very difficult. I mean, when, when I go out and speak and, and people at the end of the, the session, they'll come up and they'll bring up their questions. Hey, I'm working on this addition or I'm working on this new house. How would you do this? And in the back of my mind, your answer, I have a consulting fee. Yeah, well, no, <laughs> my consulting but, fee is a thousand dollars and half but hour minimum. The the thing that like really rapidly scrolls through my head is, are you that much of an idiot that you're going to ask me this question? Like you can't figure this out. But the the reality is, they've never been taught to ask the right questions. They're asking me how like how to put fish in the boat. Not what lure I should use. Does the temperature of the water matter when fishing? Does the time of day matter when fishing? Does the location in the lake matter where I'm fishing? Right? There's a whole bunch of questions that you need to ask to understand where to catch the fish. And they don't ask those. And I get really frustrated because for two reasons. One, I don't like when people come up and just want the answer. Because the answer doesn't solve anything. It solves that immediate need, yes. But it doesn't solve anything. They walk away still being an idiot. And they don't have the full picture. And they don't either. have the full picture. The they just have a partial answer. Yeah. And if they veer in any direction from that, it could be cause for catastrophe. Right. Right? Because they never asked the right questions to understand that system. And it's frustrating for me because I'm very fortunate that my architectural breeding was through a building science network. So like you, Jake, when you talk about that, I sit there and say, how the hell do you not understand friggin' air leakage? You're either inside or outside. What are you, an idiot? You can't, like, there is no gray area. It's a red line there, mister or missus, and you're either in or you're out. There's no there's no gray area. There's no I'm possibly in. in I'm, I'm frustrated. You can see. I get excited about this thing. But, but there is no... Like halfway. So when you're designing a house, you should be 
And, and if you are the architect or designer you say you are, it should be real easy to say, put a dot on the drawing right there and answer, am I in or out? It should be that simple. But it isn't that simple because we're not, we're not asking the right questions. And I was very fortunate, again, to, to be bred through a system where we always ask questions. Mm-hmm. And the, the thing that I always thought was extremely interesting was in all the building investigations that I would do with Joe, we would walk in the building. He would always ask, you know, can I have, can I talk to the facilities manager? Can you make sure he's there? He'd meet us at the door and Joe would ask him like 20 questions. And on our way back to the office, I'd be like, Joe, you know, I'm missing something because I know you knew what's wrong with this building. And I know, you know, you know, you could probably walk in the door and say this and that. And he goes, yeah, the facilities manager knows the answer. He just didn't know what questions to ask, right? Yeah. He knows what's wrong with the building. He yeah. knows how the building is failing. Sure. He couldn't put the puzzle together because he never knew the questions to ask. Well, you get the, we have real high humidity on this elevation. Can we see the basement? Well, we're going to go around this section because it's flooded right now. Right. And it's like that. We're too close to it sometimes or we don't have the right the right answer. But like we don't have the right question, you know. It, it's like take mold, for example. Oh, I got mold in my house. Okay. So you have water activity, you have the right temperature, and you have food. Those are the three things you need for mold. So the right questions are, where's the water activity? What's the temperature range that this is operating in? And what is the food that the mold is feeding off of? Because the only way to solve that problem is to deal with just those three things. Yeah. You can sit there, you can write your dissertation on mold growth and get people to come in and spend thousands of dollars doing spore samples, mold counts, all this stuff. But the reality is, it's one of those three things. And the solution is solving for one of those three things. But what you're describing is the murky waters in your fishboat analogy. The, the murky waters that we've sort of sailed into in the enthusiasm or the renewed uh, extreme enthusiasm about building science is that we've introduced all these concepts to people that like, I didn't take physics in high school. I don't have an, a, a basic understanding from many years ago that I'm drawing on and I'm already understanding all these concepts. I, Agreed. <laughs> I knew I could count on you, Jake. <laughs> I'm learning about physics through building science. So I hear something about vapor drive and now I'm super scared about vapor. And now everybody wants to talk about vapor and it's all over everything and people get distracted. And so that's why they're coming up to you, Steve, because there are people like me that go, oh, I just learned this thing and now I have to be you scared of it. You call vapor, I'm going to tell you, it is the very last thing I worry about. I listen to the Unbuild It podcast. <laughs> I know I don't have to worry about vapor that much. <laughs> But you get my point. But it is. Well, when Martin gets up in front of a crowd and starts spewing off about, oh, well, cathedral ceilings and, and moisture content, and I sit there and I want to be quiet. I really do. But and you're I usually have, asleep, so you are. Right. But I have to raise my hand. And what do I do? I ask a question. And what is the question? Where is that water Where coming from? Where is all this magical moisture coming from? I understand. I've investigated hundreds of houses with moisture problems. I get it. It can be a problem. But just because there are houses with problems doesn't mean moisture vapor is this huge monster attacking every house. Because guess what? Every ounce of air in the world has a moisture content to it. 
course. It's there. And it's never a problem until it becomes a liquid. Then it becomes a problem for us. So you've basically introduced the critical foundation for why we have to be so thorough in our education, which is the segue that Jake was leading up to with that sentence that you interrupted, what, 15, 20 minutes ago? That's okay. We can keep listening to Steve rant. I'm enjoying the... It's always worth it. ...pissed off at the world for not knowing the right question. Now. Well, I think, I think part of it, too, is... Architecture off our architecture education, it it fails in so many ways to try and teach you to be an architect. And we could, you know, one of these times we'll have to do a podcast with Alex and we can talk about me being an architect of 30 years and her being an architect of one and how we see the world. But the thing that I think that architecture really does is it breaks down everything that we do to these least common denominators and the problem. And then our job as architects is to synthesize a series of answers to that problem. And you guys have probably never heard it, but you know, I had one teacher that said architecture is simply a problem. Somebody wants shelter or something with a purpose. Our job is to provide a synthesized solution to that problem. That's all it is. You want to live in a house. We don't live in caves anymore. You want a house. Inside the house, you want to be comfortable. How do we provide that comfort? How do we provide that shelter? And that's the problem that we're trying to solve. And the questions are thousands from there. The thing is that the the problem you're talking about, and specifically when we talk about architecture school, is magnified tenfold when it's builders. And I think the right example behind that is... You and I had a conversation about building science, Travis, and you said, what books do you find useful that you found educational? Not what class did you take? How are you self-educating is the, is the, the, the question. And it's like, if we want to talk about how difficult it is to be an architect and know these questions coming out of school, it's five times worse in an industry where there's no standardized education there's no certification that's nationwide. And if you build in my market, all you have to do is prove you have insurance. And that's it. Honestly, though, I mean, I, I don't think I've ever complained about how difficult it is to be an architect. But that's... I don't know if I agree with that. Well, I, I've complained about how <laughs> difficult it is to associate with you. But, but that's not being an architect. That's, yeah, we really won't even go there. But I guess my point is, is that we all get to determine our fate and write our own book and, and how we do that. And so when you're talking about a builder, for example, and, you know, little Joey is now working for big Joey, his dad, and big Joey retires and little Joey takes over and says, okay, well, I'm just going to do everything my dad, the way my dad did it. That's fine. If, if you want to go that route, that's fine. But there's still a, even a small subset of questions that you have to really understand in putting that building together. And times are moving in, in, the, in the short span of the, the 20, 30 years that I've been involved in it. I've seen all kinds of crazy stuff happening. Like we used to talk about liquid flash 20 years ago. Man, wouldn't it be nice if something came in a tube, you get to squeegee it out. And all of a sudden, it, this it hardens and becomes, or it, it um, solidifies and becomes this flashing or 
and or, or man, wouldn't it be neat if instead of putting up OSB and then wrapping building paper and having it tear in the wind, somebody developed an integrated system where you just put it up once. Wouldn't that be a breeze? Huh? And it's like, how did we get there, right? How did we get to zip? This because is how somebody sat down and asked the right questions, right? And we get asked all the time. I work with a lot of companies that sit me down and say, Steve, what should we do here? And I'm not saying that I'm, I'm the, the do all end all. What I'm saying is you have to work with people that know what questions to ask, right? Yep. And, and that's how somebody becomes a little bit more intelligent or gains a little bit more experience. Because I could have very well sat there for 30 years and just did additions in my small town of Reading, been happy, but I chose not to. I chose to seek out people, work on bigger projects, search more defined energy efficient projects. Like what is the next step? What can I do next to improve a slab assembly, right? Can we take the concrete out of the slab? See, that's what I think is flying in the face of what you said about the builder that could little Joey becomes big Joey and takes over and does it the same way. And that's okay. I disagree. I, on a philosophical level, I don't think that's really okay. I think we have a, a moral responsibility to humanity to improve things, to do our part in our Easy, society. Hippie. Yeah. Let me, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, I agree with that. I agree with You've that. You've done that. I, I, right. And I agree with that. But the problem is, is 10 out of 100 builders across the country are not going to. And well, they're never going to. Because never it doesn't make leave, economic they're, sense. They're never going to leave, leave Joyce, Iowa and do anything but do it. listeners in Joyce, Iowa. I, I don't even know if it's a place. I picked <laughs> Sounds random made up. places. It does sound made up. But, but, uh, but my point is, is it's okay if that's what you choose to do. Of course. But don't come out and tell me, oh, I want to be the best builder in town. And you're doing stuff the way Big Joey did it. Because those, those, there's there's no relationship in that comment. Sure. That is true. Things are bad enough. We have enough problems to solve. And to your, your comment about the product advancements that have come along, we were talking earlier about different products that are available. And some of them, I was telling Jake earlier, I said, the problem with for me with that product is that it's solving a problem that I don't have and I don't see in my market. So I don't see a purpose for it for me, but then we said, oh, wait, if you went to this market, then it's a fantastic fit. And now I get it. But if I had just stumbled into the murky waters that we were talking about without all the information that I've gleaned from you and Peter and Jake, then I wouldn't even see the value. But that's in that because you knew the questions to ask to understand, does this product fit my needs, right? It's yeah. just like my architecture professor saying, you need to understand what questions to ask to solve the problem. So Absolutely. you have a problem. Someone comes and says, I want you to build my house. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, with that comes this series of questions. And if that material doesn't suit the needs to that solution, <coughs> then don't use it. There's a lot of times where I don't use this material right. or somebody comes up and says, you always do this. Why are you doing that on this project? Well, this builder, it's on the coast. The The cost, the budget allowed us to migrate upward, maybe sure. into a different material that we find more satisfactory for that build. But it's asking those questions and determining what are the right answers, right? I also think that unknowingly, with being just a person who's trying to pay attention, you get to ask those questions without knowing specifically that that's 
that's the focus of asking that question. You, you get to problem solving on your own and you get to going, okay, but how have I screwed this up in the past? How, how am I going to get in trouble doing it like this is the same thing that you're talking about. But I think if you address it from your standpoint of what questions am I supposed to be asking here as a new carpenter or a new architect, that's the way to, to get to that point much faster. Well, I think that, you know, when I sit there and say, you need to know what questions to ask, I think part of that concept is philosophical, right? Because Peter, who is in here with us today, obviously, he's the first one. To he's say, not deceased. You know, he's just not at the table. Right? Yes. He, he's here with us today. He's just not <laughs> here with us today. Uh, but uh, I imagine he'll sorry, be relieved. Peter. Sorry, Peter. <laughs> Peter doesn't listen to this. Don't know this conversation but, uh, but Peter's the first one to say, he has that quote, right, that somebody said that we're, none of us will ever live long enough to make all the mistakes ourselves. So when I say that we need to learn the questions to ask, it is not only asking the right questions, but it's associating ourselves with the right people, sure. right? It's like, as a builder, what type of architect do I want to associate myself with, mm-hmm. right? And, and that's, there's a whole bunch of questions that come with that. Their attitude, the client that that they strive to get. Is that the right client for me? The projects that they do, are those the right projects for me? Are they the right scale? And, and are they willing to do it however I dictate it's going to be done? And they're not <laughs> they're not necessarily always the right fit. And it's it's a really hard one. And you would think sometimes it's like real easy. But I know a builder that worked with like one of the best architects in New England. And it's like, he jumped at the chance and all he did was get in trouble the whole way because he wasn't prepared and he didn't know the right questions to ask. And that architect just raced right by him and he was playing catch up from day one and never caught up. And and it hurt him and it hurt his reputation. He lost money and there was a big problem, but that's because he he just looked at it as, I get to work with this star architect on this really cool project. It's got a million dollar budget. Well, here's the thought, right? One of the questions I ask, does somebody that has the ability to pay for a $5 million house, can they afford a lawyer to make my life hell? Every time, right? So that's an appropriate question to ask in that venue. And that's exactly what happened, right? That person had a lawyer that just played games. They just literally played legal games and it killed the guy. It killed the guy because he can't support some of those, you know, deferring um, lumber yard bills, right? Mm -hmm. Sooner or later, people are calling in and saying, hey, buddy, time to write the check. Right. And you have to be able to write it. And that's the negative side of not knowing the right questions to ask that you're illustrating. I am excited about focusing on the positive side of that, which in my mind, something we talk about a lot on the BSA. Easy hippie. Dang. (laughs) The bald guy from Kansas is the hippie. Really? Peace. Okay. We talk a bunch about this on the BS and Beer Show because we do these occasional case studies. And no hippies involved there. (laughs) Hold on, I gotta hit this ball. So there's been you don't some, eat cellulose for breakfast in your cereal? What kind of person are you? I'm about to take off my Rockwell jacket corn, so we can discuss flakes? this further. Calm you down. Cornflakes, not cellulose? 
what I was going to say is we take a little bit of uh, heat occasionally for these case studies that we do where we bring on these architects with these beautiful houses that maybe living building challenge or some extreme passive house standard. And there's always people like, oh, you know, cost per square foot. I can't. This is a ridiculous conversation to have. But what it does for guys like me who aren't probably ever going to build something like that, I'm probably never going to build living building challenge. I'm probably never going to build houses of this scale that are in that price point where it's on 40 acres and it's a $20 million property and I've got six different solar arrays. I'm probably never going to do that. But what I do get out of that and what I hope that the viewer gets out of that is learning the questions to ask. Because to me, it's inspiring ideas. If we're all trying to improve this built environment, if you don't have something to look at that goes, that's taken me to the next level. That's beyond where I'm at and I don't really understand it. But now I'm curious. And now I... Maybe I want to just shoot holes in it because what a stupid hippie idea to not use PVC coated Romex and to figure out another way. Maybe in doing that research so that I can make a witty comment on Instagram about how stupid it is to focus on that. Maybe I discover the thing that makes me a better builder on my next house. And maybe my client benefits from that. And maybe the family that lives in that house for the next 100 years or 200 years because I built it better. Maybe they all benefit. And maybe generationally we make this improvement. And that's what we're striving for. And those are the questions that I want to ask. Let's hope he believes that because that was really well said. <laughs> I, I can agree with that. That was a... Oh, man. That you was inspiring. Even for a hippie, I feel, that was inspiring. I feel elevated to be at a table. With I have that. never been called a hippie more <laughs> in my life than just now. And that includes three days at a fish show at Red Rocks way back when. It's a different story. That's because no one was passing around names at the fish concert. <laughs> no one could complete a sentence at the show, so they exactly. couldn't call me a hippie. Okay, so let's let's allow Travis to educate us as to the event that we have coming up in towards the end of September that you're here to promote as well. Yes. We wanted to have you on the podcast, but we also wanted to help promote the Midwest Building Science. So let me, let me, yeah, I'm going to phrase it in a couple of questions. So what is the Midwest Building Symposium? Why should I go? And how does it help me? Oh, I got you covered on all fronts, Steve. So this podcast has been over a year in the making because at the last Midwest Building Science Symposium, we discussed doing a live podcast because we had two very special guests. We had two guys that jumped up early when I said, hey, I want to do this thing. I went to the Fine Home Building Summit and it was amazing in 2019. And it was the kind of experience that I think would help a lot of builders in my market to up their game and to deliver a better product. I want to do something like that. I want to bring that concept to the Midwest and I want to make sure that I get to go to it and hear people that I believe in that could help make me better. And so I reached out to Jake and Steve and they both immediately were like, yeah, let's do it. Let's figure it out. And then I think it was both Jake and Steve that then said, you definitely need to talk to Tracy at Huber. <laughs> and then through my local lumber yard, McCray Lumber and uh, Huber, we figured out a way to put on a two-day event in 2019 at Boulevard Brewery where Jake and Steve discussed the control layers. Over the course of a day, we had, this was right at the beginning of COVID, we had uh a safe environment that was socially distanced. Everyone in the audience was great. They wore their masks. They behaved. 
Uh, of course, Steve did not behave, but that's you know par for the course. He did educate everyone at that event. Behave is such a loosey goosey term. <laughs> it's a sliding scale, well, right? A, yeah. Do you think now your I, wife agrees with that? Well, she. I told you this morning. Even this morning, she texted me behave. Right, because I'm I like, well, her. I can. Well, I made that a bad comment right. about you, and she said, "Behave." <laughs> and my retort to her is, "When has that ever been historically successful?" <laughs> that sort of direction is, is soundly. I won't tell you what her answer was, <laughs> but that's okay. So that's the event last year. The 2019 Midwest Building Science Symposium was a one day, two guys in a room all day with 120 attendees who all learned about the control layers, had a chance to ask questions. We had people like Randy Williams come down. We had Jason from Monticello come over. We had Nathan from Chattanooga come up. We had a lot of people come and learn and get better that day. And so this year we wanted to improve on that. And I wanted to try and take advantage of the fact that people are getting vaccinations. The world's becoming a little bit safer, a little bit at a time, we think. So I said, I really miss the in-person. Everybody misses the in-person. And so we said, can we do multiple days? And uh, through generous sponsorship, again, last year, Sashko, Rockwell, McRae, Huber, all these people that got involved. Uh, Dan Edelman at Rockwell was a huge supporter right off the bat. We talked to him about this year. We talked to Tracy at Huber and said, what can we do? We're looking at multiple days for this year's event. It's September 28th and 29th, again, at Boulevard Brewery in Kansas City. We're doing a multi-day event with... Uh, an addition to the team of Jake and Steve, who will be again presenting. We'll also have Peter Wait, Yost. Did you sign on for this? Yeah, I did. Okay. <laughs> you won't be getting paid, but Steve <laughs> yeah. is already on board. Wait, you're getting paid. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we've got two days of speakers lined up. I believe on day one, we'll probably have Mike Gurton uh, presenting in the morning, kind of a look back. How did we get into this mess? Well, so if Mike hasn't signed on yet, come on. Come on, Mike. You know you want to drive all the way to Kansas City with a trailer and stop on the road and pick up some things that you can use on your next build to put in your shop. There's a lot of opportunities through here, man. So I think we're going to have Mike in the morning. (laughs) I've been called worse. Kippiesville. I think we're going to have Ben and Ben Bogey, maybe, and Randy Williams for sure has signed on. Uh, Randy Williams will definitely be there. We're going to be talking blower doors. I know that RetroTech has talked to us. We've got a lot of people coming that really want to be part of this experience. And we're excited to have on day two, Jake and Steve and Pete, of course, will be doing most and of the And Pete teaching. is still with us. He is. Yeah. <laughs> he's not deceased. As long as he can make it to September, he will also be at the Midwest Building Science Symposium for two days of education and fun. Uh, I'm really excited about the roundtables that we're going to do in the evening. It's going to be a great opportunity. If you can envision being at a card game with your buddies and somebody throws out a a statement that needs correcting and everybody jumps on them and corrects it. I think what we'll do is have the opportunity for people to present questions and ideas uh, through social media leading up to the event. And then we'll get to have that roundtable with all the speakers of the event, basically sharing ideas and hopefully contradicting and correcting one another in the good natured ribbing way that makes it fun to drink a beer and bust on your buddies a little bit. Especially if they're a hippie. <laughs> I, I feel like this is really not fair. I feel like if anyone's in a hippie in this, it's going to be Gurton or, or Pete. Yeah. Peter. People's Republic of Vermont. That's right. So that's what the event is. That's when it is. What was your third question? How will this help me? 
How will this help me? Well, Steve, I think you'll have a, a great opportunity to learn from some well, really sharp I'm people. For, I mean, I'm Peter's going to be everybody. there. I'm speaking for everybody, not me personally. I have how I understand the value in it. But, you know, one of the funny things that I get asked all the time, people say, you know, hey, how do I get better? How do I, how do I, you know, do this, do that? And it's like, I tell them, it's, it's an interesting thing that there's a, a cause and effect that a lot of people I know that go to things like the Midwest Building Symposium, they actually end up being a build, better builder next year, right? And there's, there's some kind of relationship there. That I'm trying to figure out. And I, yes, I'm being funny, but I'm, what I'm saying is the builder or architect that says, I don't have time for that. And, and I ask, I have a lot of friends. I say, Hey, I'm going out to the build, build show or uh, international builder show, or I'm going to Nessie or wherever I'm going, JLC. It's like, oh, I, I, I can't, I don't have time. I, I can't take two or three days off. My answer to them is you're exactly the person I should go. Yep. Because if you can't take two days away from your company, then you're not managing a successful company in my eyes. This is my, this is my personal opinion, right? If you, if you can't take two t- days to drive to Kansas City to hang out with us and discuss building science, then you really don't care about building science and you really don't care about what you're doing. That's a heck of a sales pitch. It's pretty solid. I'm pretty sure he just said, you loser, come come to this symposium or you're going to be a loser. I say, no, I said, you can be stay at home, you can be who you are, and you can tell me, yeah, whatever, those ideas, they, they don't work around here, um, we'll never sell that here. Well, you don't know until you try, and you don't know until you ask the right questions. Well, and... You're going to call me a hippie again, but I'm willing to take the heat for it because I really do think that there's an inspirational aspect to this. For sure. I don't think that I would have stepped up to Zipar if I didn't first learn how easy it was to use from people that I trust and see it firsthand. And some of that's happening on Instagram and I can see guys doing stuff uh, and see how it's successful for them. But I think when you invite a group of people And we talked about this at the summit. And one of the great hangs at the Fine Home Building Summit was in the bar that night talking about, you know, talking with Luke at Metzger and talking with Will at High Cotton, sitting around and you're like, well, this is how I do this. And yeah, we were able to, I mean, we're doing this number now on our blower door and we're hitting this. Those two guys are actual benefits. But you, you get where I'm going is when you have that, which which one of them listens to the podcast, which everyone texts me first complaining that I didn't defend them. That's why I threw it out there. That's why I threw it out there. But so I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to interrupt because I'm going to ask, yeah, I'm going to ask everybody out there. What is the value of having the ability now after I have gone, gone to the symposium in September, what is the value to you now to be able to call somebody like. Mike Gurton or Peter Yost or Jake Bruton with a question, right? Hey, remember that 45 minute conversation we had? I wanted to follow up on that. You know, that's exactly it's or, the world. Hey, Jake, you, you talked about air sealing. I, I have this problem here where, man, we just can't solve this with the blower door. I'm trying to figure this out. We think it's up here. Is there something I should look for? Imagine that a question. Mm hmm. Relating to somebody that's been doing it, somebody that talks about it all the time, and that has probably been there. What is the value to that, right? So it's not only about asking the right questions. It's about knowing who to ask, but having access to that person too. 
So the the things that I will bring up because we're getting tight on time about the the upcoming symposium. I can go all night. The things that you're going to take home, if if things go the way that I'm expecting, and they probably will, because things are well planned events. They're Hopefully, it's a better goodie bag than last year. <laughs> I hey like man, good Joe and I paid for those t-shirts out of our own pockets. And if you don't like the cut of your ladies extra small, that's on you, brother. I know. Hit the gym. I can't tell you how many places I go. Oh, you're in a t-shirt. Yeah. It's not a real <laughs> men's size. Extra large. You know, last time I wore an extra large shirt, probably seventh grade. Jake, will you grade. walk over and get him a Keep Craft Alive glass? He's killing me with this. Man. The stuff that you're going to take home that's going to make you a better builder, I think, is the perspective that Mike Gurton's going to bring about looking back and why we're into building science the way we are now. I think you're going to get an understanding of the diagnostic tools that are going to let you measure your builds so that you can figure out where your weaknesses are and improve on them from Randy Williams. I think you're going to get to look into the future when you listen to Peter Yost and figure out where you're headed so that you don't end up being behind the curve and the other builders in your market are making the money that you could have made if you actually paid attention and showed up at the Midwest Building Science Symposium. And if that's not enough, maybe you're not my market. But I think if you show up to that building science symposium and you listen to the people that are there and you talk to the other builders who are all trying to get better, I think you leave with a lot more knowledge to build on. Oh man, that was a terrible pun. It's almost like Peter is here. <laughs> that's, that's where we're headed. If you want to come along, please join us. Great barbecue, great Mexican food, great beer, great building science expertise. Well, Armando's going to be there. So he has an opinion on Kansas City barbecue. So when you say great barbecue, it's relative. You know what? If Armando wants to cook for everyone, you can do that. And I've had great barbecue in Austin. I'm trying to understand where is the great barbecue. I think the most important thing was glazed over here is that it's at a brewery. Yeah, Boulevard beer is world-renowned. I don't drink, so I don't care about that. That's your loss. I'll drink yours. I don't care about the barbecue. I really care (laughs) about the barbecue. And that's where we leave this episode. Steve cares about the barbecue. I thought it was going to end on the Peter pun. I thought that was the way that these always end. It's with Peter's pun, and then you just go, and then you shut it off. Okay. Well, we'll shut it off at that point. (laughs) Travis, thank you uh, for being an adequate friend, and thank you for being a guest on the podcast, and thank you for everything that you do for our industry from the BS and Beer show, what you're doing locally up there with Kansas City BS and Beer, and thanks for going through the steps to make the Midwest Building Science Symposium happen a second year. Very much appreciated. It's our pleasure. Thanks for listening, everybody. This is the Unbuilding Podcast. Steve, do you want to say goodbye? Oh, goodbye, everybody. I will miss you. <laughs> Don't forget to follow Catalyst Built on Instagram. Uh, Stephen Basic Architects on Instagram. It's Stephen with a V for those of you that uh, are from the West Coast and spell it with a PH. And uh, I am Jake.Bruden on Instagram, and we are the Unbuilded Podcast on Instagram. Don't forget to leave a five-star review on iTunes and subscribe. That's how we know where you're listening and you can hear us moving off this chair in the background. Have a good day.